Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. All right, welcome back to Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro. And on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have the pleasure of speaking with Paul Speciale. Paul Speciale is a data storage and cloud industry veteran with over 20 years of experience with small and large companies. And he is currently the chief marketing officer for Scality, where he leads the team in everything from marketing strategy to building awareness to content development and lead generation. So, Paul, welcome back to The Gumbo. You've been on before. I have. Thank you very much for having me back. It was a pleasure the first time, and I'm looking forward to our chat today. It looks like you're getting younger, too. Every time I see you, you just... um, I don't think so. When I hear 20 years in the industry, I'm starting to get a little worried. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way, man. My both of my daughters are always remind me of uh, my age. So you're you're not in that boat alone, sir. Yeah, I totally understand. All right, so I, I do appreciate you being back here, and we are here to talk a little bit about cyber resilience, storage, and yeah. also data protection for backups and. This is a hot topic right now with things out in the wild like ransomware and exfiltration and all these different uh, things out there or digital uh, versions of uh, of things that could actually bring a company harm. So indeed. Let's start off by maybe giving us a snippet into maybe what you've been working on since the last time you've been on the podcast and I know that's been what over a year or so over a year yeah yeah and there's okay. been a lot of a lot of changes so you know for us this has been the heart of a lot of conversations with customers and and partners and by this i mean ransomware and you know just general cybersecurity it's it's really what people are concerned about today budgets are being assigned to it and for us what we've done is really built immutable storage solutions uh, notably to protect data and backup data has been a big focus for us. And it's uh, something that we've done to really harden our products and make them as resilient as we can against these kind of attack threats. So uh, we've done a lot of announcements to this year, notably for our new product, Arteska, in the immutable storage, cybersecure storage uh, arena. Okay, nice. And I also hear that you have some new data showing that IT leaders see data storage as a key element, especially in their cybersecurity strategies. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So, you know, this term immutable storage, I think people now really understand it, right? It means that you're storing data and it's never changed. It's never deleted. You're really keeping it as it was originally intended and not letting any malicious or other actor modify it. Uh, What we thought is let's do a survey of some key decision makers in some some of the bigger geographies, right? The U.S., the U.K., France, and Germany, and ask them a question about immutable storage. And the question really was, is immutable data storage an essential element of your organization's corporate cybersecurity strategy, right? What we're trying to ascertain is, do they understand the term and do they see it as an important part of security, right? Because storage is storage. Security was security at some point, but now the two have blended. 
Uh, the results are super interesting. We're actually going to publish the full results in December, but I'll give you a quick preview. 69% uh, reported that immutable storage is essential to their corporate cybersecurity plans. So it's almost 70%. Uh, 94% either already have immutable storage or plan to implement it in the next year. And that means that only 12% of those that have deployed immutable storage say it's not essential. Okay, so we have very good mind share and embrace of this concept of immutable storage and how important it is. And you'll see in the report that once we publish it, there's more detail about which verticals, which geographies embrace it more and less. So it's a great, great survey. Yeah, it sounds very insightful. And we, we know that immutable storage is, is just another quiver, um, another bow in the quiver as far as protecting against ransomware and also have having the ability to to recover quickly and confidently from from these sort of attacks so so yeah great great uh, information there and also I, I want to go back and touch on kind of an old topic and theme just around and this was around traditional backup and recovery which is the 321 rule and it's it's been modified it's been changed and it's been tweaked a few times 3211 and I don't know the all, all the numbers tend to to change, but everyone has their own version. But um, what what other technologies are, are critical to to protecting data from ransomware? Based on your perspective, sure, sure, absolutely. Let me comment on that. that the first thing is, let me say yes. We've heard all the variations of three two one one, three two one one zero. Some people call it the zip code as a as a short way of referring to it, but clearly backup, right? From a backup perspective, this is the absolute priority and it's a minimum strategy, right? Uh, honestly, we see people even keeping more than three copies of data. So we look at it as a minimum, but we're not at the point where just doing backups is enough, right? It, it has to be a multi-layered strategy. You have to do everything, right? It's endpoint protection and network security. You know, the two things that have highlighted to us recently, though, are number one, data loss prevention, you know, there's solutions that can monitor where the data moves in an organization, and that helps to track, you know, where sensitive information lives. The second one is security awareness training inside corporations. This is big, right? Because if you think about some of the attacks that have happened recently, it's all exploiting this human weakness, right? And we internally do it as well. We send out fake phishing emails internally through an outside agency, and then we monitor who clicks on it. Right. And then it also helps us spot what the subtleties are in these kind of emails. So, look, in the end, the answer is complex, but it has to be multi-layered. The last line of defense has to be this immutable backup. That's the way we view it. But many, many layers in front of that. Yeah. And it's not a day goes by that I, I read some type of breach. And I mean, it's changing really, really, really quickly, almost on a daily basis where the rules are changing, the governance structures, the SEC is getting involved, and you see chief information security officers being held accountable. And I mean, this this is a very fast moving thing, and it's moving almost like um, quantum and artificial intelligence uh, format, right? So I, I really want to get your perspective on maybe some of the key reasons that you can give Gumbo listeners to to modernize their their data protection strategy because we still have some organizations and some people out there that may be comfortable with what they've been doing over the last, you know, five to 10 years. And 
that's not sustainable for today's environment. It's not. And, and I think it kind of gets back to what we said, right? They're staying, these malicious actors are thinking ahead. They're thinking like two to three steps ahead, right? It's almost like a chess game. And, and us on the vendor side, on the technology vendor side, and I mean storage and all these other layers that we talked about, have to keep kind of reacting to those things but they keep jumping one step ahead. And and one of them is this human exploit thing. I mean, you remember the MGM attack in Las Vegas, right? That was a, oh yeah, it was a social engineering attack. They actually went after mm-hmm. some IT managers, LinkedIn profile, Support and then desk. used that to call the help desk and change yep. their credentials, right? But you asked, what is what are some of the reasons behind it? Well, I think the big aha for me in the last few years is this, right? We always heard that ransomware went after production data, a lot of times on Windows-based systems, that's the vulnerability, right? It's the main attack surface. Now you find reports that it's not just that, right? It's not just production primary data. It's also backup data. I mean, uh, there's a report that says that 97% of ransomware attacks try to infect the backup. Now that's malicious, right? That's really pernicious. That means they're thinking ahead that if they encrypt the data, that's your primary data. They also need to make sure that they attack your backups. Okay. So those kind of stats to me are eye-opening. And then you start hearing that, you know, even if you pay the ransom, you're still not going to be able to recover your data half the time. So you really have to plan, right? You just have to plan and you have to plan at these multi-levels and take the human factor down to the technology level. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the most important thing is, is making sure listeners are informed, making sure they're getting the right information in order to take back to their teams, because we know security is a team sport. And no one team or one person can can basically detect, protect, <laughs> and recover the environment. You you need help uh, in this category. And I also want to get your perspective on some of the takeaways that you can give the Gumbo listeners about some of the most important considerations. In particular, more than just immutable storage, but around protecting against ransomware and maybe recovering or having that that plan in place. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a great question and and I think it gets into what you said, right? It's not just the backups. Although the backups now I think we know that immutable storage and all of those mecha- all those mechanisms are very important, right? But you have to consider prevention, how to prepare, how to be resilient and really I think assume it will happen, right? And then plan comprehensively so that when when it happens you have a plan. But I think, like you said, build on the immutable backups, but also have an incident response plan. You know, know how you're mm-hmm. going to react, mm-hmm. right? Make sure that you right. have something that monitors for threats, right? Um, keep Make sure that your networks are segmented, that you have this least privilege rule. Then have a business continuity plan, right? Do you have site A and site B? Do you know that you can go get your data and your systems up and running from another place? Do some regular testing, right? And then... I just don't want to emphasize it enough, right? But employing employee training and awareness, right? I, I have to say, I'm aware of this problem and I'm still occasionally going to click on these fake test uh, phishing emails, right? Because it gets to the oh, point you, where you they're changing one letter. I, I admit it. I admit it. I'm, Are I'm you, not a proud of it. You, you a weak link? You're a weak link? I, oh, I, I may be a weak link, but I'm getting better, right? As they train me, and that's <laughs> the point of this whole thing, I'm more aware to look at the URLs and look at the wording and, and suspect. Uh, you know, spot something that looks suspicious. And, and you know what? They they are getting better because they're they're leveraging artificial intelligence and used to be, you know, grammatical errors and, you know, just broken 
English, et cetera. And so now they're using AI in order to craft, you know, perfectly formed sentences and use those in phishing campaigns. And I mean, it's, it's really crazy. I was reading today about another breach and millions of records of patient data and social security numbers and credit card numbers. And I, I always tell everyone that, yeah, you can try to, you know how you, you get something in the mail and you take, used to take your name and address off and shred it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah. matter anymore. You can shred it. it. No, your it data is already out there on at least two, three, four, five different types of sites because they've been breached on, you know, some of the largest ones, right? Yeah, I, we read a lot about how these, uh, you know, attacks are getting more malicious. I mean, zero day exploits. We've all heard mm-hmm. about that, right? Right. I, I don't know if you've heard about this, Demetrius, but polymorphic malware. It's malware uh, that tries no. to alter its code structure or its file signature, right? So now you can't spot the fingerprint on the file, right? But it still stays malicious and it has an ability to vary itself, but still, still attack data and systems. So, yeah, they're two to three steps ahead, and. There's reports that these are actually sophisticated ransomware gangs, right? So they have coders, they have exploit identifiers, and we, we really need to do what we can to protect against that. So are you seeing AI as doom and gloom, or are you, are you seeing the, the benefits and some of the opportunities that uh, you know companies can use to, to, to become more cyber resilient? I think you know it's an interesting juncture, right? I mean, we're recording this right after the big news around open AI and <laughs> yeah. what's happening with their CEO, right? But I think it, it's going to be both a positive and a negative effect, right? On, on the negative effect side, sure, you said the attackers are using it to become more natural sounding and more, more credible. But on the other side, we can use it to do pattern detection and anomalous activity analysis, right? There's going to be more tooling. And I'll tell you, you know, we're not a cybersecurity vendor, but we're part of the ecosystem. Even we are thinking, how can we use AI to make the storage more more smart, make it more sophisticated, right? And I think it gets into things like looking at anomalous access patterns on the data, right? Who's intruding? How many times did they come in? What do they touch? And how do they touch it, right? There's things we can do. So over the coming years, I'm absolutely sure there'll be advancements that leverage AI and machine learning to make the storage more resilient. So what's the future look like for for object storage? Well, I think now we really, let's say that object storage has become mature, right? We're 15 years into the Mm -hmm. availability of on-prem object storage systems. I put that around 2010 when the first systems came out. And that's a little bit beyond when Amazon introduced S3 storage, right? So... We have very sophisticated, very mature features, but there's a couple of areas where things can still get better. Okay, Number one is on automation. Make things easier because we've got this skills shortage, you know, and data keeps piling up. We don't even have to say it anymore, right? If we put up a slide that says data is growing, people say pass. We know that. But how do you manage 50 petabytes, 100 petabytes with one or two admins, right? So automation is key. And then the second one is just what we're circling around here, right? Data storage has become an integral part of cybersecurity, right? It's one of the layers, whether you have five or six or seven layers, at the bottom, you've got your data storage. And making it more resilient is what we've worked on, making it the ability to protect and recover. But what can we do to detect, right? And you know the problem being in the backup world. You can back up all you want. But at some point, if an attack has been long running, it gets into the backups, right? And we need something smart to determine when we have the 
gold copy of the backup to restore from, right? And making that easy to spot and making it more automatable, I would say, to recover. That's where the work has to go. Okay. All fascinating stuff. And just on a, on a personal front, what, what are you reading these days? And is there anything you'd like to recommend to a Gumbo listener that might be an insightful read? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I, I'm, I'm a broad reader of science fiction and I love, you know, even novels. I've read the Anthony Dewar novels. You know, what, what's the big one that the Netflix turned into a series recently? All the Light You Cannot See. I enjoyed that read a lot. Oh, but right. I also okay. read historical World War II novels. You know, I find that whole period of history fascinating. And I really do want to dig more into sort of regional history. You know, I recently visited Croatia and I, I read a little bit about the war in Croatia in 1991 through 95. And, uh, you know, those kind of historical readings, I think, to me are very, very fascinating. So that's kind of my personal interest. OK. And maybe one more question here. What, what would you say to a, a, a college student right now? They are a computer science major. They're not quite sure which discipline of IT they want to go in. And uh, what would you recommend? What course of study or what steps would you recommend for them to take, knowing what you know and being around as long as you've been around? Not calling you old, but just saying you you have wisdom. No, I think that's a great question. You know, I I would have, I think I answered that question for you a couple of years ago by saying, Yeah, yeah. I want to see how it's changed. Computer science and be a coder and you know, embrace that. I started my own career as a coder and I loved it. Right. And I became over time a product manager and a marketeer. I think learning a basis in any domain is fantastic. It can be history. It can be law. Knowing something about tech and how fast it's evolving is a great thing. Right. So if you can have a basis in coding, I think it's even helped me in how I approach business problems. There's a logic to it. Now, people will say, oh, you have to learn about AI or AI might squeeze out coders. And I don't think so. Right. I think what you want to do is part of your course of study should be to embrace the tooling, the AI tooling and be able to use that to accelerate your job. Right. Because, yeah, you can spit out a website or code snippets these days using using various AI tools. But it's like anything. It's a tool. Right. And I would even say that if you want to go into a business, into a business line of work, Having that tech background is just going to help you tremendously to be able to leverage the tooling that's coming out every day. Good information. And also, if you'd like to just maybe give a quick blurb or shout out for Scality and maybe something you're working on or something you're excited about right now. Yeah, I'll say that to us, the big thing now is to really provide systems that are super simple to deploy and solve a very discrete problem. And that discrete problem today is to protect your backups against ransomware. It's something that people need. And I would say that the big aha for us now is that smaller capacity object stores now have a real market. And by smaller capacity, I mean not petabyte scale. Let's say you need to start with 50 terabytes or 100 terabytes or 200 terabytes, and that's what you need to protect. We have solutions that do that and do it in a very affordable manner. Say you wanna spend four or $5,000 a year to get started. Uh, Solutions in that you know, price category exist, but they're just as resilient and they can grow with you as any enterprise system that has been on the market for the last 10 years. So making things more affordable, but making them ultra cyber resilient. That's our focus. Well, Paul, once again, I do appreciate you accepting me reaching out and coming back on the podcast. It's been, you know, super insightful as well. I learned 
uh, a few nuggets of, of details as well. So I appreciate the information on cyber resilient storage and also information about data protection for backups. Uh, super critical and key for everyone out there to understand and to start implementing uh, some of these uh, protection mechanisms, even in your own life. And so I want to thank you for being here. And before I let everyone go, just wanted to remind everyone of our LinkedIn group. It's called Backup and Recovery Professionals. And I think we have breached, look at me using the word breach. I've been talking cybersecurity way too much. 22,000 plus members. So really huge community of backup recovery, cybersecurity, storage experts, all having some some great and insightful conversations in LinkedIn. So um, once again, thank you so much, Paul, for being a guest here on Data Protection Gumbo.